When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Honestly, mate. Honestly, like stream I, I, thought was, I thought it was me. I thought you like helium and that on helium or something. Yeah, it's done. It, it did it this morning as well. My other show and just like I don't get it. Like I've been, I've used different microphones. I've yeah. used everything, and for some reason, at least reason, I told you. At least I told you this time. Yeah, this time you told me. I was speaking to Charles Watts the other day. He didn't tell me. He just yeah. let it go all weird for like three minutes, you know. So it is what it is. Um, but uh, yeah, hopefully it will be fine from now. I'm just having issues. I might change it over while you're talking in the next section. Um, but uh, when, uh, yeah, how did you enjoy your weekend? Was it good? Yeah, it was not bad, bro. Um, a bit disappointed with the result, which we'll discuss. But yeah, apart mm. from that, not not too bad. Yeah, I think that uh, obviously it was disappointing and I think we're going to talk a little bit about it more so now and did the match reaction and stuff. I got a few messages about your match reaction because um, you've said some different things to me, which is good because I think it creates discussion. But uh, yeah, give me kind of, give me your brief, if you will, of, of how you're feeling having had a day or two to reflect on it now as well. In terms of the performance or the result? Anything you like, mate. Performance, probably, yeah. Yeah, the performance, um, t- I was not best too pleased, to be honest, with the overall performance uh, on Saturday, um, which I find quite which I find quite surprising when Mikel Arteta post-match came out and said that he thought Arsenal were, what, 10 times better compared to the same game against Fulham. Um, last season, and I've seen the XG, etc., and I know Arsenal dominated in terms of that. But when I look at the whole picture, when I look at the whole performance, I didn't think Arsenal deserved to win the game. Yeah. Um, I think for large parts of the game, I think when Fabio Vieira, Zinchenko, etc., came on, you saw the Arsenal of old. They dominated. They got that mm-hmm. control back, and they looked better. And you could probably say they were deservedly. Uh, they went in front, and they got those two goals. So I don't, I don't disagree with that. But for what, 65 minutes, 55 minutes or so, however long it was, I thought Arsenal were quite poor, if I'm being completely honest. I thought in the final third, um, they weren't getting the likes of Bakaya Saka involved in the game. Gabriel Martinelli was quite poor, mediocre, and TC's gone again. But yeah, it was just, it was just, um, it was a difficult performance. It was a difficult performance. And it's one of those things where I look at, the game in itself and I think a lot of questions are rightly being asked about Mikel Arteta's system his formation yeah. and look I was in the mindset that 
I don't mind unpredictability. I don't mind when a manager wants to change up formations and when he wants to try different things. I think that's more than fair enough. But there needs to come to a stage when you need to realise that something is not working. And for me, this formation is is not working But we're not because we're not getting the best out of our better players. And those include the likes of Martin Odegaard, Bakaya Saka, Gabriel Martinelli. I saw Gabriel Martinelli and Bakaya Saka on the weekend and I've seen them last season when they were performing week in, week out at a higher level. They weren't involved that much in the game against Fulham from an attacking point of view. And I don't know what that stems from. It could be due to Kai Havertz it is placing the team. Personally, I think it is. But yeah, I think Arteta, he has that stubbornness in, in, in similar to Pep Guardiola. I liken both of those managers. Like they're stubborn in terms of their philosophy. They want to continue playing the way they are. But Mikel Arteta said a few weeks ago that he's going to try different formations. He's not going to have the set formation. But in these first three games, he's had the same formation. He's played party in that inverted role. And party for me, look, five years ago when he was playing Atletico Madrid, he could probably do that inverted role because he had that athleticism. He had that ability to go back and come forwards. But bro, he doesn't have the legs for it. He doesn't have the legs to do that anymore. And I know we want more control. We, we're going to dominate these teams um, when they come to our, our stadium. We're going to have large parts of possession. But for me, Thomas Partey's best position is, is, a, is a midfielder. Best position is a midfielder. And what does that show? And I've seen people continually saying, but Arteta, he's only doing it because Inchenko's not in the team. And I can hold my hands up. And I'll assess that on Sunday when we play against Manchester United. Yeah. Then we can judge it properly. But yeah. Zinchenko, like Tom, if he's capable of playing, what, 30 minutes he played? 25, 30 minutes? Yeah, he wasn't fit to start, apparently. Yeah, but, which is debatable. Because for me, if you can play... 30, <laughs> look, Why is it debatable? <laughs> bro, if you can play 30 minutes at high standard, for me, you can yeah. start the game. You can start the game. Okay. And I know I, you don't... I, I, the, the, I agree. The staff would disagree. Like, yeah. they... I used to feel that way as well. You know, I remember used to being really critical of Arsenal saying, oh, if he's on the bench and we have to sub someone in the second minute, why is he on the bench at all? But, you know, I, I've come to understand a bit more about it. Apparently, like, that, you know, enough. players are on the bench for 30-minute cameos and stuff yeah. like that. Now, especially now we've got nine subs. Exactly. So. And, and the thing is, with Timber's injury, you don't want to aggravate and you don't want to risk um, losing Sinchenko for an extended period of time. But I look at the team overall. I look at the structure. Kibio. He's playing in a left back inverted role. I don't know what position he's playing, to, to be honest. But he's not, that role doesn't suit him. And I think we're copying Manchester City a bit too much. And I know we want to topple Manchester City, we want to beat them. But sometimes we need to try what we've been good at. Mm. And we have to go back to what we were good at last season and why we um, came so close to winning the Premier League title. Kibio, no disrespect to him, is yet that standard of a Nathan Ake right now. Personally, no. Maybe in a few years' time, he can get to that level. And then you look at Thomas Partey. Uh, Mikel Arteta is trying to do that inverted role. And I know Kyle Walker, at times, he doesn't do that inverted role. And I don't think he's the best at it as well. But look at someone like John Stones. John Stones plays that inverted role from centre-back. And I think he's one of the best. Like Ben White, that partnership with Bukaya Saka, that was one of the best relationships um, that we had last season. They were brilliant on the right-hand side. And now the fact that we've altered the system, Ben White and Bakaya Saka, we're not seeing more of that relationship. So there are questions to be asked and we'll discuss 
um, the Kai Havertz dilemma as well because for me, um, I think Mikel Arteta is shoehorning him in into the team right now. And I think for me, I want him to succeed. And I think a lot of people, a lot of fans were harsh in the first opening two games in terms of performance, but I thought he was poor. He wasn't good. He wasn't good again. He was, yeah. Uh, and after, yeah, no. you have to be realistic. I look. Yeah. There was there was a image and a video I saw when the pass got played into him, and he was in the. You saw you, you know one. Part of the back. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro, if you're a midfielder, if you're spin a midfielder, turn. you spin and turn, yeah, and you utilize the space that's in front of you, and the whole pitch opens up. But he doesn't have the mindset, and I thought I thought to myself, the Kai Havertz I saw by Leverkusen. Can he do this role? And I thought to myself, yeah, it's going to take him a bit of time because he's going to have bad habits because he was playing as a number nine for Chelsea. But now I look at him and I think to myself, is he capable of being Arsenal's number eight? Is he an upgrade on Granit Xhaka? And again, it's three games in and a lot needs to be said, but there was better players on the market for better value that could play this position um, and would have been a success early doors. James Madison, I look at, he's had the flying start to his Tottenham career. Um, there's other players like Manchester City are going for Nunez. And how many number eights do they have in their team? Like, there are yeah. options, out, there are options mean, out there. 65, listen, 65 million pounds is a lot of money for a risk. Mm. A lot of money for a risk. Mm. And it could go one way or it can go another. And if Mikel Arteta, he has a dilemma. He For me, he can't persist with Kai Havertz if he's not putting in good performances week in, week out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you, can't... you know, against against Man United, I want to see the old formation because I think that's the type of game in which you use Partey and Rice in the middle. You bring White back to right back. You know, Zinchenko comes back in, and we go with you know the inversion on that side. You know, I think that's the way you go against Man United. I think what we saw last season though was that we allowed too many opportunities to sides like Fulham and um and West Ham and Southampton yeah, yeah. and I felt as though that Arteta what he's trying to do is in these particular games is create a greater dominance a greater control, control. yeah so that we're not conceding as many goals now the issue for me is that we're obviously there's too many mistakes still like many. the mistake that Saka made um the mistake that Ramsdale made last season the goal in itself against Fulham, I think, is really unfortunate. Like, I think obviously Saka's error is silly. Like, he shouldn't be passing it chaotically back in that position, in my opinion. I don't agree with the view that, well, if we had the normal back four, there'd be a player there. No, I don't mm. agree with that because the pass is so chaotic. It's just in that a lack position. of concentration. It's just a lack of that's, that's, Look, everyone's entitled to make a mistake. You can make a yeah. mistake. That's fine. But, you know, but it's three you can't times defend them all. The you know, and it was. But I do think that Pereira's shot is completely fluky. Like, it's so fluky. Like, he's not going for that corner. He's mm. going to try and outside it. He's trying to either chip Ramsdale or whatever. And Ramsdale is expecting that. And because he mishits it, it goes to the other side of Ramsdale. And unfortunately, it's, it's wrong-footed him and, it, and it's gone in that corner. I think it's really unlucky that. But obviously, the mistake from Saka is just frustrating. Yeah, the, well, yeah, I the poor game as well. On, yeah, the poor game as well. Sorry? Saka had a poor game as well. It has to be said. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I, I not not enough people say things like Saka had a poor game, yeah, or you know, because we obviously Havertz has become a little bit of a scapegoat, a bit of a lightning rod, and I'm happy to say he had a poor game because he did, but he didn't have poor games in the first two for me. I thought he was decent. Yeah, I yeah. think he was more decent against Palace. I thought he was actually really good, and I did a piece looking at that specifically. But like 
he wasn't good against this team. But I didn't get to the end of the game against Fulham and thought, oh, we didn't win that game because of Havertz. Yeah, you know? no, it's not that. It's not I didn't that. think that at all. It's not that. It's not that. I agree. I think the reason why we drop points is not because of Havertz. But obviously, he's going to be judged. And I said it to you a few weeks ago. He's going to be um, a scapegoat sort of uh, player for Arsenal. Um, mm. He's going to have good games. He's going to have bad games. But if he has continually bad games... The Arsenal fans are going to be aggrieved, and rightly so, because £65 million in this day and age, it is a lot of money. It is a mm. lot of money to be forking out. And he's not someone that you can come in straight away and you can say, yeah, he's a left-sided midfielder. He needs to get used to that position. And Pep Guardiola, I, I go back to um, a press conference I, I saw a few a few seasons ago, and he continually said, when, um, when you start a Premier League season, you could lose the title in the first eight games. And that's the key thing. The first eight games, you could lose the title. It's it's about winning. It's about getting that momentum. And for me, Mikel Arteta needs to revert back to the uh, formation, which was a success last season. He has to. And I'm not necessarily saying every game he has to play Rice, Odegaard uh, and Partey in the midfield. I think for big games, that's a very good midfield. But again, games against Fulham, like Fabio Vieira will speak about his cameo as well. He was fantastic. He was fantastic, the impact that he made. And what you like about Fabio Vieira, he's got a picture in his head instantly. He plays the game like a midfielder, like an attacking midfielder. With Havertz, he's still getting used to it. He seems nervous, a bit chaotic on the ball. Like He's, he's not accustomed to that position and it's going to take him time. But do we have that time? That's well, the key question. I, I think we do have do the time. Yeah, I do. And so I he think starts the, on, so he starts on Sunday. No, no, no. As I said before, like you need to be malleable. Like mm. you need to be changeable. So when you come up against a team like Man United, and then I think we've got Everton, uh, the Probably. game after that, and then it's Spurs and after that. Yeah. Like the Spurs and Man United games are the perfect games to throw back to Partey and Rice in the middle. Mm -hmm. But against teams like Fulham and Palace and Forest, when you're more dominant and you want to create more chances, and Everton, I'd argue as well, you know, that Everton game away from home last season, we really failed to control it. Mm. And we failed to get as many chances as we needed to. And that was with, you know, Xhaka and Partey, you know, in the midfield. And I feel as though when you've got possession, you need more attacking players on the field if you're going to dominate games so you can try and take the game away from your opponent. Now, against Fulham, we should have done better. Where I disagree about the performance-wise, because obviously you were quite critical of that, is that I think we should be... As our test after the game, we should have won that game by like four, five, six or seven. And we had a performance that was way better than the last year's performance against Fulham when ironically we won that late on with Gabriel's mm. late goal. I thought the performance was better this time. I think Saka should do way better with the header that he header, has in the yeah, first half. Yeah. I think that Martinelli has two fantastic opportunities and shoots straight at Leno that he should do and should test the keeper more. I think that Kivior's late chance, you know, he should do better to get his foot on it and try and get that. I think Havertz is unlucky with the one that he dives in to try and get his foot on the end of. I just feel as though that we should have done more. I think obviously we take a lot of shots from outside the box through frustration, but also I think that some of those shots, like Fabio Vieira's in particular, was very good. Hmm. I think that there was a bit of too much rushing going on in certain scenarios with Erdegaard in particular, although I think Erdegaard was still integral to what we were doing. Or I saw some people saying that he had a bad game and I was like, hmm. I get he's taken a few more shots, but he's so important to how we play and his movement and his passing. The tempo, isn't it? But I think for me, like the whole thing about reverting back to what we did last season, I think we should do it in certain games, like I've said. But I don't have an issue with it. Yeah. 
I, I don't have an issue with it in these games. And I don't know if you saw some of the tweets that I put out yesterday yeah, about like yeah. the statistics. Like Partey's stats are up on his average from last season and Arsenal's stats are up on what they were from last season. And for me, the reason why we're not top of the ta- joint top of the table is because of A, poor finishing and B, silly mistakes at the back. They're the, I don't say the system is the reason that we're not there. For me, it's those two factors. And if you can if you can stop those two in terms of eradicate as much as you can the silly mistakes and be better in your finishing, I think we're a coiled spring that could be winning these games very comfortably with mm. this system. So that's where I do disagree. But I would agree with you that we need to revert back for certain games mm. and particularly this weekend against Man United. Yeah, no, it's, it's flexibility. I think that's the big thing. Like, I understand why Mikel Arteta has reverted to, to this formation because, like, he wants control. He wants to dominate teams. Mm, yeah. And he understands that when teams like Fulham, Nottingham Forest come to the Emirates, we're going to have large parts of, of the game in terms of possession. And we need to um, make use of that. But again, like, as, as you've touched on, I'm worried because Mikel Arteta, he's just, for me, he's stubborn. He's stubborn and it would not surprise me if he continues with this formation for the foreseeable. But against Manchester United, against the better teams, teams will hurt you and teams will take advantage. Um, because say, for example, we, we go with this inverted formation against Manchester United, I'd be worried. I'd be worried. And defensively, again, I look at the mistakes that we're making and they're easy mistakes, Tom. That They're easy mistakes. Mm-hmm. And they're mistakes that I saw last season towards the back end of this uh, uh, season, that we're making the same mistakes. And it seems we've not learned upon it. Set pieces as well. How long has this been going on for? Not much. Not many yeah. people are speaking about that. How many goals do we concede from set pieces? A lot. Last season loads. Season before last, barely any. And I don't barely know any. why. I, I don't know why that's changed so dramatically. Like, Do you, do you think teams have just worked us out about how we defend set pieces? They, they may have, but that's down to like uh, Jova, like the the set piece yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, coach yeah, yeah. to basically find a different solution. And mm. it's like, I was hoping that come the um, start of this season, something would have changed. But you know what? One big, for, one big thing for me, Tom, like, it's interesting. We got rid of Steve Round, was it? he's let I don't know if it's like got rid of you know I don't know I don't know what happened there. okay let, I, uh, let me assume let me assume he yeah. left he, he left okay for whatever <laughs> yeah. reason I still think he's he's been relieved of his duties but that's my personal okay. opinion allegedly allegedly <laughs> I think what Mikel Arteta he needs right now is an experienced right hand man mm. he needs an experienced it's not Albert Schubenberg that person I don't think so I don't think so. I I think he needs a right-hand man. Like, when Sir Alex Ferguson was winning um, Premier League titles, who did he have? Carlos Quiros, wasn't it? Yeah. Carlos Quiros. Jose Mourinho, who did he have uh, alongside him? Oh, the Portuguese guy that managed in... He left to manage on his own, didn't he? I know, it's like the long, long brown hair, like really curly brown hair, yeah. yeah. I think we're lacking... Yeah, we're lacking someone with experience, someone to basically tell Mikel Arteta when he's wrong. And to tell him this is not working, I just think... Rui Farrier was his Rui name. Farrier, yeah. I just think, okay, Steve Round has left. We need to bring someone in. We need to bring someone in. And I think going back to last season, there were yeah. certain games, there were certain times in Arsenal season that it would have been nice for an experienced head to calm us down and basically at times provide feedback to Mikel Arteta. This coaching setup 
is new. The whole coaching setup is new. They're young. You look at um, the assistant coaches that we have. How old's one of them? 27? Carlos? Uh, they are young, yeah. Late 20s, early uh, and 30s is what they are. Do you yeah. think, though, that I personally don't think that Mikel Arteta is the type to want, like... He's annoyed, he's stubborn, isn't he? An experience like, you know, someone that thinks, not thinks they know, that's the wrong way, but I, it's hard to explain. You know what I'm getting at? Like, I just no. can't see Arteta being the guy that isn't, you know, doesn't think that he's like the most capable for that role. I just can't see it. Just from my experiences of like, of, of you know, observing Arteta these past three years, I feel like, you know, he wants advice and like context, but I'm but not he, sure that yeah. he... I don't, I'm sure criticism or like, you know, being told that what he's doing is wrong. If that's what you're saying he needs, I think because I feel that's what you are saying he needs is that he yeah. needs someone that can say, I don't think this is the right way. I don't think that he's going to want that, you know? Yeah. No, like I see in the comments, like, uh, airport Albert, as people, as people call him, like, look, he's worked under good managers in the past. Louis van Gaal, he's had that role uh, at Wales, I think it was. Yeah, it was but I just look at him and I, again, I just, I agree with you. I don't think he's someone that's going to say to Mikel Arteta, Mikel, this is what I think should be we should be doing. This is what I think we should be working on. I just don't think he's that type of person. He'll give advice, which I agree. But sometimes you need to understand that Mikel Arteta, this is his first job in management. He is going to make mistakes. And he is going to, at times, have uh, areas in his game that he needs to work on in terms of the managerial side of things. But it's good It's good to have someone with experience at times telling you, look, this is not working. Maybe we should look to do this. I know I know it's worked in the past with other managers. So why should Mikel Arteta be any different, in, in my opinion? But going back to Fulham, yeah, disappointment. I mean, you talk about Kai Havertz. Um, um, yeah, I, I think we'll talk about him in weeks yeah. to come. I think yeah. that with Havertz, it's a case of like, I'm being patient. I know a lot of people are being conclusive three games in which I think he's dangerous. Oh, yeah, that's, that's um, pretty much, yeah. I've he seen, is becoming I've seen a scapegoat. <laughs> Honestly, the negative I've seen, considering that we're, you know, seven from nine in three yeah. games. And I think personally, we've deserved to win every single game so far. So things can't be that bad if we've deserved to win every single game. Mm-hmm. I think the Man United, you know, someone said to me this morning, you know, we've got Man United, Everton, Spurs. Win those three or get seven from nine or something like that. You know, say you you draw one of them or whatever. Like, I think getting seven from nine in those games, you know, especially considering Everton away is not a game we've won in a stupid number of years. Oh, like, we've not won that game in so long. Bro, they lost it's three ridiculous. games. They lost three games yeah. in a row. And you, you just know what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, obviously, the benefit this time is they don't have the new manager bounce like they did yeah. last time. But we haven't won at Everton. Like, genuinely, like, a draw at Everton now for Arsenal is progress because it's been yeah. that bad at Everton. So, you know, I, if you offered me a draw, I don't think I'd take it because I still think we can win that game. But, you know, if Arsenal were to get seven points and that seven points is beating United, drawing with Everton, beating Spurs. You know, I think the mood does change quite significantly. I think we can win every single one of those games. Mm. I think that we win those games by playing with Partey and Rice in midfield against United and Spurs. I think we do it by playing, you know, the older system that we've also started this, not the older system, the new system that we've had against Everton. Because I think that that can still be really effective. So I think it's about being changeable, malleable, all these words, you know, and I think, you know, Arteta knows that. But... After three games, I do think there is a bit of over-exaggeration about the situation. I do think there is hyperbole, especially around Havertz. And whilst I would certainly drop him, 
I'd be intrigued to see him come back in against Everton or even Fabio Vieira, you know, because uh-huh. I think Fabio Vieira was really impressive. And I made the joke yesterday about like, you know, Arteta's biggest haters, you know, have been frothing at the mouth to place Havertz on their list of Arteta's misses. But they might have to be humble enough to take Fabio Vieira off that list this season mm. if he has it. Because I said the whole way through yeah. last season, give him a year. Yeah. Just let him settle. He's talented though. He's very talented. Yeah. He's always had the yeah. ingredients. He's always had the ingredients to be like a top, top player. But that's why I was always on the um, mindset that I give him a year as well. Um, let's see what he can do. Let him get accustomed to the league, the culture, the the team. And then we can judge Fabio Vieira properly. And say, for example, if this season isn't a success, we can basically say, look, he's not been good enough. Um, it's, it's been a move that's not worked out. We wish him all the best. But that cameo, that's the impact that we want to see. Give Mikel Arteta food for thought. He's coming. He's changed the game. He's won a penalty. And it's a beautiful cross to Eddie Nketiah. It's a lovely cross. And like he was on the front foot. That's what's the key thing when I look for attacking midfielders. Someone that can turn on the half spin and then someone that can utilise the uh, the attacking positions. And Fabio Vera is very good at that. So look, the, f- the thing for me, like I want to ask you a question. That is a question on Facebook. Like Bill, I think we should judge Kai Havertz after this season. Give him a reasonable amount of time. But TC, do we have that time? What's a reasonable amount of time? A year? As I say, I, I, I say every every player gets two years at the club. And if after two years they're not succeeding, you know, they, they, it's not worked, you move them on. Hmm. For Havertz, like, the conversation has to be around the context of what we signed him from what we're using him for. Like, I think I'm misunderstood. I think I misjudged, like, because I, I did a bet with someone, I think, where it was like, um, mm-hmm. I hope will get more goal contributions than Madison, which is, like, mad to think now. Like, because Madison yeah. is going to absolutely outstrip him in terms of goal contributions because he's playing a different... Madison's basically probably going to be Spurs' biggest goal contributor this season. Yeah, and Havertz isn't playing that role for Arsenal. He is not designed to be where Saka, Martinelli, potentially Jesus or Nketiah even, you know, is meant to be that player. Havertz is not designed for that role. He does need to score. He does need to get some assists. You know, that's not to say that he's going to be, you know, he's absolved from scoring or contributing. He does need to get involved with that, but he's not going to be as influential from a goal perspective as what Madison is for Spurs. And that was certainly a misconception I'm guilty of from the summer. Hmm. But what I do think is that you got to give him this. You've got to wait to what happens this season. Like It's mad to think that people have written him off three games in. Like, it's really mad. So the shoehorning thing... You know, I think it's it's easy to say that after he has a bad game because I do think that he was good against Palace and against I agree. Forest. I said it. No, no, I said it. Yeah, like, yeah, no. I, yeah. And I know you did. I'm not saying you didn't. I just think that I think shoehorn's a really strong word when hmm. if he's starting and playing well. Like, he hooked him, like, really early in the second half. Like, it's, if, yeah. I'd say he was shoehorning him in if he was like just left him on the field for the yeah. whole game, you know? Mm-hmm. Like if he left him on until the end in that game when we were chasing it, like I would have been very critical and said, no, now I can see like you're you're yeah, leaning yeah. on habits. But he hooked him really early in the second half and Vieira came on. You know, he could have brought on Smith Rowe, mm-hmm. he could have brought on Jay Deuce earlier, you know, and he decided to bring on Vieira and fair play and it worked. You yeah. know, he got two assists if you count you know, winning a penalty and assist like it does in fantasy. But like, he got two big goal contributions and I just don't think that it's, I think shoehorning is a bit strong. 
personally. That's just me. That's fair enough. So, That's, yeah. That's fair enough. We'll see. We'll see, we'll see what um, happens on Sunday. If he yeah, starts. absolutely. Yeah. I hope that he doesn't. Yeah. I'm hoping that it's Rice and, and Parza. If he starts him, mm. I'll be like Umar. Yeah. He shoehorned <laughs> him into that team. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So you know, there you go. Um, let's talk about some transfers. I mentioned Smith Rowe there. There's rumours from Chelsea's side of things. Um, I think it was Simon Phillips um, that was saying it. Uh, who's had some you know very fair connections with Chelsea's transfers. That there's a consideration that that name has been brought up. I think it would be disastrous to let Smith Rowe go between now and the end of the window. What do you think? I agree, but I've got a bad, bad feeling. Like Really? You know, David Ornstein reported at the start of the window, and that's certainly been corroborated from what I've heard, is that Arsenal have had no intention of letting him go at mm. all. Things can change. <laughs> Things can change. Yes, they do. <laughs> like, there's like, how many days left? Four, four days left or so? Oh, it closes this Friday, actually, the deadline. So... What four days left of the window, and I'm worried. I'm worried because it's interesting because in the opening three games, he's not come on, he's not started zero minutes. And Emil Smith Rowe is at that stage of his career where he wants to play games, he wants to be playing mm-hmm. week in, week out. And he's a talented, talented footballer. And I'm looking at this Arsenal team right now, and for me, Kai Havertz. From Mikel Arteta's point of view, not mine personally, If before everyone starts um, getting mad. Mikel Arteta's point of view, Kai Havertz is ahead of Emil Smith-Rowe. Fabio Vieira is ahead of Emil Smith-Rowe. And say, for example, if anything happened to those two, touch wood, it doesn't, I still don't think he would get into the left-sided midfield position. I, don't, I still don't think he gets into the team. I think Mikel Arteta would change the system, potentially put Deccan Rice in the number eight position, or just do something different. But that would mean a Mill Smith Rowe still not starting for this football club. And then you look at other avenues where he could potentially start as a left uh, winger, potentially. But Gabriel Martinelli is ahead of him. Trossard is ahead of him. Reese Nelson is ahead of him. So where does he fit? Where does he fit? To yeah. Like, it's disastrous because for me, you can't afford to sell a player at that level because I think he's a top player yeah to Chelsea of all teams like he's a top top player and Chelsea they're looking for a player that can play as a number 10 potentially someone that is versatile that can play across the front three because I think in the past few weeks they were looking for um, I think they were interested in Kudus Uh, they had that interest in Shirky I think it was um, so there have been players there that they've been linked with but for me it's a it's a catch it's 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 a, it's a difficult situation because if he's not playing and if he doesn't have minutes on board, what do we do? Do we just keep him? It's the it's the thing, isn't it? Like you're we're sitting here saying like he we have to keep Smith Rowe. Yeah, it's almost like it's almost like when you're and I can't say this is from experience. So it's, yeah, we're gonna get personal here, but it's like and I know friends are like this that stay with a girlfriend. Because they don't want the girlfriend to be with anyone else. He's, he's Do you know what I mean? He's indirecting it, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I love my missus. I've had a great anniversary weekend. I can assure you that's not the case here. But I think there is a bit of that about it. Yeah. But look, Smith Rowe is a, such a talented player. Very good. And like, I, I look at him and I think, how is he not starting for Arsenal? Mm. But then I look at the team and I'm like, well, that's why he's not starting for Arsenal. You know, even in my best Arsenal team, he's not in it. Mm. You know, 
it's Rice part in the middle, Erdegaard, Jesus, Saka, Martinelli, White, Saliba, Gabriel, Zinchenko, uh, Ramsdale, or Raya Dale, as <laughs> either of them can play. Um, like he's not in, and I'd, I'd, I'd struggle to speak to an Arsenal fan who puts Smith Rowe in their best Arsenal team, if we're honest. I don't think yeah. many, if you're being very honest, he's not in our best team. But he's probably one of, for me, should be one of the first three mm-hmm. off the bench. Mm-hmm. Ahead of Vieira, usually on paper, mm-hmm. you know. But based upon what I saw, I'd be inclined to bring on Vieira right now over Smith Rowe, you know. Mm. And that's how fickle we fans are and how, you know, changeable yeah, we are. But that's the reality. So whilst I can't fit him into my team, I can't see the, the sense in selling because I just think there's still such a talented player there. And when we get to the Champions League and when we get to the Carabao Cup and the FA Cup in the new year, I think he will have a role. And if he performs really well, then he should be looking to to try and oust Martinelli or oust Erdegaard or oust Havertz. You know, that's what his target should be. He's got three potential positions for me. That's a lot, though. Left eight, right eight, left wing. That's a lot of players to basically uh, try and overtake. Yeah. It's, and it means you've got a lot of pathways, though. Yeah, you know, you've true. got a lot of routes. Even though there's a lot of players ahead of you, there's yeah. a lot of pathways. And he, in those chances that he gets when they come and they should come, and if they don't come, that's a criticism of Arteta, not Smith Rowe, because he should be being given opportunities. Hmm. You know, he has to take those chances. You know, that's that's for me the key. Yeah, no, it's it's a difficult one. Like, there's a question I think Matt in the comments. He said, 50 million pounds to Chelsea. Would you take it?" And oh, I just I, like people in the comments are saying wait until the Champions League. Wait, he'll probably get chances, but I don't think he will get chances in the Champions League. The Champions League mm-hmm. is not the Europa League, folks. Like this is Europe's elite competition. I don't think Mikel Arteta is going to be bringing Emil Smith Rowe and starting in game, starting him in games in, in one of the best club competitions in the world. I just can't see it happening. But for me, I agree. I don't think he's part of Arsenal's first 11, but he should be at least getting minutes off the bench. He's a top player. He can make an impact. I thought he was very good in the Community Shield when he came on against Manchester City. I thought he was decent. Um, in pre-season, certain games, I thought he, he looked very good. Uh, in the under-21s over the summer, he impacted games for England. So I don't know what, I don't know what it is, but Mikel Arteta also needs to remember one thing as well. Who saved his job when everything was going uh, wrong a few years ago? A Mo Smith Rowe and Bukayo Saka. Yeah, it was Smith Rowe. Yeah. So yeah, if I'm if I'm Mikel Arteta, I remember these things, and I know you need to be ruthless at times, but that you need to be ruthless to not overly ruthless, if that makes sense. Like zero minutes in the past three games, it's poor. Like he should be getting he should be getting opportunities. He should be getting opportunities. I just can't see it happening over the next few weeks. Manchester United, I don't think, will get an opportunity. Everton away, can't see it. North London derby, I can't see it. Does Emil Smith-Rowe just want to play Carabao Cup games for Arsenal? No. I think that he needs to obviously be used from the bench more initially. Um, when we get to those Champions League games, it'll be interesting to see obviously who we have in our group. Exactly, yeah, yeah. But if we've got like, you know... If we're getting like Red Star Belgrade and Salzburg, who are a good team. Um, but even sides like, you know, Lazio, like, you know, we, we should be looking to use Smith Rowe and rest Martinelli because Martinelli is so useful and so, you know, bursting full of energy. 
that Smith Rowe should be starting games in the Champions League. He should be starting games in the Carabao Cup. He should be coming off the bench in Premier League games. You know, I feel like Arteta left on leaves left on Martinelli for too long. You know, oh. against Fulham, he could have brought on Smith Rowe. That's one dimensional, him. doesn't it? Martinelli is quite. Yeah. one-dimensional yeah. like you look at Saka that's a multi-dimensional not in like that's like you know physics sense <laughs> no, but like no, no, no. he's he can go right he can go left he yeah, can yeah. shoot he can set up he can cross as a driven he can dink a ball he can shoot from range Martinelli you can sum up by saying he runs the byline takes an extra touch too many tries a cross or cuts inside you know and has a shot hmm. like he's quite blinkered sometimes Martinelli I love him yeah I know I what think you he's mean. up there with the best if not the best left winger in the league ironically at times mm. you know he's up there with Grealish for me he got more goal contributions last season than Grealish but I do want to see more variation in Martinelli's game and I do want to see more intelligence in his game because he mm. does take one touch too many he doesn't always play the right pass soon enough um, so yeah it's it's interesting it's interesting what happens. For, for me, it's interesting because when I look at a left-sided midfield and attacking midfielder, I like someone who's creative. Like, I hate Tottenham, yeah? But James Madison, <laughs> yeah. like, he's the type of player he's, that I enjoy watching. Being annoyingly good. Annoyingly good. He's the yeah. type of player that I enjoy watching. And I, when I watch Emil Smith-Rowe, I enjoy watching him. Fabio Vieira as well, I, I enjoy that type of player because it's more creative. More these players ask for the ball a lot of the time. Um, they've got that final pass. They love going forwards with the ball, and that's my ideal midfielder um, in terms of an attacking point of view. But yeah, with Emil Smith Rowe, it's an interesting one. It's an interesting one. And I know I see people yeah. saying I'm moaning in the comments, but I don't know. Yeah, you're not moaning yeah. at all. I don't know what he's on about? Yeah. Look, there's a, di a difference between being critical and highlighting things you think need to improve and moaning. Yeah. You know. Is you know, I, I think there is such thing as toxic positivity and toxic negativity, and you know, r refusing people the. Um, oh look! I was praising I was praising Havertz two games ago, and I was criticizing yeah. so. I know, but I think you, you have to give people the license to be critical. I think there is a difference between overreacting and just being, you know, measured in a criticism. Yeah, I personally think you know, Havertz isn't, isn't good it, enough. You know, isn't that that's the What's expectations that? we have now. We now have at this football club. We're not competing mm -hmm. for the Champions League. We're not competing for top six. We're trying to win the Premier League title. Yeah, and we're trying to win the Champions League. Exactly. These are the expectations. You, know, you, you yeah. don't think Mikel on the training ground after that 2-2 two, two yeah. draw will be yeah. disappointed, will be annoyed. The players coming out on the Instagram post after the game, they were annoyed. Yeah, of course. And that's what you want to see. You know, I want Arsenal to win the league. I want Arsenal to win the league. Yeah, yeah, that has to be the aim. The aim yeah. is is win the league. The aim is win the Champions League. Like expectation aims, I think, are different. The expectation of Arsenal for me is, you know. Only Man City, are the, for me, Man City, the only team that should be beating Arsenal to the Premier League this season. In yeah. the Champions League, only Man City, Real Madrid, maybe Bayern, yeah. you know, should be beating Arsenal to the Champions League. Um, I think we're better than PSG. Yeah, I think great. it's pretty close with us and Barcelona. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's pretty close with us. And, you know, well, obviously we're better, in my opinion, than any of the, the English um, competitors like Newcastle and Man United, mm -hmm. you know. So... I'll be disappointed if we go out the Champions League to a Dortmund or to a, you know, uh, some degree. I think I'd be disappointed to a Barcelona if we got knocked out by them. I think yeah. I'd be disappointed that we didn't progress past them, you know. And if we finish lower than second this season, I'll be asking, well, why, why did we finish hmm. lower than we did last season? Because in my opinion, this team should be only behind Man City. 
but the aim should be to try and beat Man City, you know. So that's that's kind of the expectation and aim and the difference between those two. Anyway, we've been going on for a little longer than we usually do because um, we had to you know, get a few things off our chest. We had to put Umar in his place, all that stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, thank you, Chatbox. Really appreciate your time, as always. Umar, thank you very, so much for joining me and putting your points across. It's very much appreciated. Much appreciated, bro. I love it. I love it. Absolutely. It's good to have a chat. Good to disagree. Good to have points that are of different uh, viewpoints. Always good. Um, but thank you, everyone in the chat box. Do drop a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel as you help us on our way to that big 100K. Uh, we hit 92,000 over the weekend. So thank you for that. Just under 8,000 left to go. Help us on our journey to get in there. It would really be appreciated. Have a fantastic day, people. We'll see you again soon. And as always, keep following us down the Arsenal way. Oh,